0: Before Jared comes, um, I, I want to just uh I want to say a couple of things. I want to say first of all, um the Holy Spirit can't bless what you don't say. Okay, let's think about it now. The Holy Spirit's not gonna bless what you don't say. The other thing I want to make sure that we understand, um, so there's no there's no lack of clarity here. You may only have one opportunity to talk to the person that you're going to talk to about their eternal soul. You may only have one opportunity. So sometimes what we do is we're, we're so busy sowing, we never ask for the harvest. So I want you to really understand it's really important to use those two questions that we've talked about. You know, do you know for certain, I mean, if you stood before Jesus today and he asked you, why should I let you in my kingdom? Do you know what you would say? So sometimes uh, we, we, we miss that piece of it. The other thing that happens, sometimes you have spent, you've got the entire story. Somebody's listened to the entire gospel presentation and then all of a sudden you never asked for the sale. Can I put it that way? All right. And you say, hey, do you understand? Oh, I understand. Well, that's great. God bless you. Or, you know, why don't you pray about it? So I want you to, I want you to, to know that th- sometimes it feels like the hardest part, once you kind of get the train rolling, is to say, what would prevent you from praying with me right now? If you say, would you like to pray, they'll go, no, I wouldn't. But what would prevent you from praying with me right now? You have to to help a person get to a decision. And here's why it feels so hard. You are pushing against all the forces of hell that are trying to keep that person there. It's supposed to be hard, guys. It is supposed to be hard because you are contending with spiritual forces. All right? Got it? We'll talk more about that in a minute. Jared's going to come in just a minute, but I first I want to say something about Jared. Jared and Lucinda and Cody, uh, does the new baby have a name yet? I don't even know. Phil, you think about little Philip? <laughs> um, but um, uh, they're going to be going back to South Africa um, for about three months. So they leave, they're gone like December 10th, somewhere around there. So um, I want you, I want to do a couple of things. I want to, and I know this is not like goodbye, Jared Knight. So I'm not going to do that, Jared. But um, but we're some of us are going to go see you in South Africa. So that's we're going to yeah. go going to go to your neighborhood. Um, but I want to say this. You know, um, Jared came into this fellowship. I believe by the hand of God. I really believe that. And God had told me two weeks before I met him that. God's going to bring an evangelist to your church, and I say, how will know who he is, and he'll say he'll be the first one you meet. And I met him, and I said, you're the guy. You're supposed to work with me, and he kind of flushed up and thought, what the heck, who is this guy? And Ian McCormick said, yes, these things happen, and next thing you know, he's here. But here's what I want to say. If you go to, to Ephesians chapter 4, it talks about um, what God gave to the church. These are not spiritual gifts. These are gifted men that God gave to the church. So there's, you've got gifted men positions and you've got spiritual gifts. Okay, so in there, one of the one of the gifted one of the gifts that God gave to the church was the evangelist. So I want you to understand that you know Jared is a gift to the church. Okay, and and I really just um, I just want to say that he didn't know I was going to do this because he'd probably say I don't worry about it, but. Um, but I want to say that for a couple of reasons. I want to say it because I want you to really value and go back and read that Ephesians four. I think it's verse eleven and through thirteen, something like that. Read that section. It's a pretty powerful section, and know that 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 role of the, of the evangelist is a gift to the church. Second thing I want you to know is uh, I want you to I want you to really pray for him and his work, and he's doing great work. And I also want you to to really pray about financially supporting what they do he definitely doesn't know i'm going to do this um but you know he's uh he he operates in in a faith ministry that really does work that way and he uses people like you and i and so i can't tell you to do that i can tell you to pray about that and you can go on their website uh save the World foundation dot, dot com you can go there and you can log on and and give him a million dollars and uh and he'll be wise with it, okay? If you don't have a million, again, give something less than that. Um, but, but I really, I'm serious when I say that. You know, sometimes we, you know, we don't think, well, what, how much do I really have? And I'm just going to say that you do as God leads you to do, and every need will be met. That's all you have to do. Don't ever give by guilt. You give by revelation. How does God speak to you? Okay. God says, God didn't speak to me. I've had people say, hey, pray about supporting my ministry. I prayed about it. I didn't have any, I didn't feel anything. Other people said, pray about it, and I felt led to do something. Walk by revelation. Okay? Not by guilt. We never give that way. All right? Because it always if you give out of guilt, it always feels bad afterwards. You ever notice that? Dang, why'd I give that guy that money? But if you give, if God showed you, you go, hey, I feel great about it. I feel great about it. Okay? So Sorry for that, uh, putting you in that spot, Jared, but I just wanted our people to know that, wanted them to, to hear that, and I wanted you to be able to, to be blessed uh, from this fellowship as well. Okay? Would you give Jared, uh, put your hands together for him, as he's going to take us to the next level. Jared. Thanks, Pastor.
1: Appreciate it. Thanks. Hallelujah. Well, I wasn't expecting that, so thank you so much, Pastor Full and Pastor Tammy. Well, today I want to go through divine strategies. Say, divine strategies. divine strategies. You know, when the Lord gives you a plan, He gives you a strategy to fulfill that plan. So He has given us a commission, going to all the world and preach the gospel, and He's given us a strategy how to do it. And I just want to go through some of those strategies, which I believe will be important for you. And in any strategy, he raises up different people to fulfill that strategy. So if you look at a business, many of you on the business world, you either own a business, you're in a business, you work for a business. There are different elements and departments in any business. You've got your accounting department. If, if they don't exist, the, the money's going to go everywhere. You've got your marketing department. They normally want the biggest budget so they can spend it to promote the product. So you need the CEO to kind of manage that. You've got your uh, frontline office people. You know, if people walk into your company and they treat it badly, they're not going to want to do business with you. So you've got all these different departments that make it possible for your company to be a success. And in the realm of evangelism, you've got different people that have different giftings, and we need to put you in that right department to make sure that your gifting operates to the fullest. You know... In in a business, you've got your marketing people, which are normally the extroverted kind of people. They're bold. They're not scared to do cold calling. They pick up the phone. They phone 50 people. They're not scared of rejection. They get the orders to come in. But then you may get your accounting people that are maybe a little bit more conservative, a little bit more analytical. They don't want to go and speak to a million people. They just want to crunch the numbers, so to speak. So if you get your accounting people to do the marketing job and you get the marketing people that love being out and about, the sales people, and you put them in an office, they're going to frustrate everyone in the office and there's going to be chaos. So in the same way, in the realm of strategic evangelism, it's important for you to be in the right area that the Lord has placed you. So we came up with this list. The Lord kind of gave me this list, but you can have 50 different outreach initiatives in the church, and maybe you are already passionately involved in some kind of outreach that's not on this list, well, we can start that in this church. So we went through all of them last week. Do you all remember the first uh, 25 on the list? We went through the 25 different forms of outreach. So I just want to start generally going through some of them so that the Lord can begin to speak to you regarding which area you feel called. Now, remember when Jesus said... uh, You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. How many remember when Jesus said that? Um, in the notes, I've kind of updated my notes, so my, my notes are a little bit out of, out of sync. I've kind of changed my doctrine a bit. <laughs> Not doctrine, but just my, um, my way of explaining it. Uh, you've got Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. So in the realm of evangelism, Jerusalem is kind of like our local area. Anaheim, Anaheim Hills, um, Yorba Linda, this general area is Jerusalem. Judea, Judea is the state, so like California. Samaria is the nation and the ends of the earth is international. So in the realm of evangelism, the Lord wants us to impact the world. Yes, I believe the Lord's going to raise up and he is raising up and he has raised up people that are going to be members of this church that are going to do great outreaches and crusades around the world. But I believe that the Lord wants us also to especially focus on Jerusalem, which is this local area. And in the realm of Jerusalem, he's going to raise up Jerusalem soul winners. Who are you guys? Okay. So. Once you're faithful being a Jerusalem soul or evangelist, then you can move on to being a Judea evangelist, a Samaria evangelist, and ends-of-the-earth evangelist. So as an example, when the Lord showed me I was called to be an evangelist, and I saw a great crowd of people in front of me, and I was preaching to them. I knew that's what the Lord had called me to do, but I was willing to be faithful with the little in my home church in Johannesburg with different kinds of outreaches like I shared with you how I used to do Jabir Park every Saturday in the park and then I used to lead outreach teams around South Africa and we used to do different outreaches and I was faithful in with my team and as I was faithful with that uh, uh, the pastor of the church asked me to become the church evangelist and I was faithful with that and and then the Lord entrusted in in me with Save the World Foundation, and I was faithful with one team. Then we had two teams, then we had three teams. Now we've got four teams in South Africa with three people full-time per team reaching out. And then because I was faithful with that, the Lord sent me here to America to start our school outreach team here. And the vision that He's given us is to have school outreach teams in every country. But unless I was faithful in my home church for many, many years— he wouldn't have trusted me with greater things. So whatever great things He's shown you for the future, whether it's your own ministry or, or to develop an outreach ministry in Influence Church, I really want to hammer this home. You need to be faithful. And don't just think, well, this is the church's uh, outreach or this is the church's thing. No, it's Jesus's thing. So we're not doing this for Pastor Fuller or Tammy. We're not doing this for a man. We're not doing this for a church. We're doing it for the man, Jesus. And we're doing it for the church. And if you're doing it for Jesus, you can never get offended. Because you will get offended in ministry. Because we people, we humans, we're going to ruffle each other's feathers. And especially in the realm of evangelism, you get so much flack from the devil and his demons when you start going after the lust that it's important for your various teams to stay in unity. So you may have been the outreach team that is going to the local hospitals, praying for the sick. It's important in your outreach team that you... you, you stick close together, that you fellowship with one another, that you build a strong team, that you you pray together, that you walk in unity because the devil will come against your team to break it up and he will try and discourage you from getting into the local hospitals if, if that's your outreach ministry but that's where you need to stay faithful and determined and focused. Um, so I just want to go through each of the 24, some of them I'll elaborate a bit more, some of them are are very self-explanatory, um, and, and I'll just spend like a minute on them, and if someone can just let me know when I've got 10 minutes left and 5 minutes left, thanks to uh, you. The first one and the second one, and I won't spend too much time, but it's elementary schools, junior high and high schools, so in Influence Church we've got three Bible clubs, and we start in another two, one in El Rancho, one in Yorba Linda Middle. Now, just so that you all know, so that we're all on the same page, and I want you to be on the same page so that you can kind of spread the news, it is legal to preach the gospel in the schools of America. So my whole life, up until the time I got to we got to America about four years ago, I did my research, like any good evangelist, especially a Jewish evangelist. I did all my research. I asked every possible American I ever met in South Africa. The times I preached here in America, traveling with different other evangelists, I was asking everyone, what about schools? What about schools? No, you can't preach the gospel in the schools, separation of church and state. You know, the most you can do is meet at the pole. And I thought, meet at the pole? How's the school going to get saved? You know, great, let's meet at the poll. But once we've met at the poll, what are we going to do after that? And and a lot of Christians have used the, the clause separation of church and state. Thank God for separation of church and state. You know why? That means the state can't get involved in the affairs of the church. So what that means is it's our constitutional rights if you, a student in a public school, You have freedom of speech, freedom of religion, and the right to assemble. So as long as there's another club, a fishing club, a surfing club, whatever kind of a club, they've got gay clubs and lesbian clubs. I mean, these schools are crazy. So as long as there's a club, the Christians have the right to start a Christian club. So all you need to start a club are two students and a sponsoring teacher, and the teacher normally lets you use their classroom or the gymnasium, and then you can reach uh, your school through that club. So don't let anyone tell you you can't preach in the schools and, and uh, oh, they took prayer at the schools. No, they didn't. We have the right to pray at, at school. Maybe you can't do it at assembly, but you can pray before school, after school, during lunchtime. You can preach the gospel one-on-one in the schools. As long as you're not interrupting a classroom session, you can hand out Bibles. You can preach the gospel. You can pray. You can do what you can cast out demons. You can do whatever you're doing as long as it's not interrupting your class time. So, as ambassadors of the kingdom of God, and what's so great about this church? It's called Influence Church. We need to influence other Christians, you know, around Orange County or California or America. Tell them what's happening in in the, our school outreaches, and encourage them to do the same. And sometimes people say, oh, I don't know how you're doing it. And then I, I said, well, this is how we do it. I, I'll spend 20 minutes with them, and they'll still say, wow, I don't know how you're doing it. But I just explained to you, <laughs> you can do the same. So so no more excuses. Say no more excuses. no more excuses. And if people try and make an excuse, it's like what Pastor Tammy was saying. People are looking for excuses. Fear, oh, we're going to get sued. No, you can't get sued. If you, If the Bible Club invites you onto the campus and you're in the gym or a classroom, or, or we've even been in a school that put us in the amphitheater, we are invited guests onto their campus. You can't get sued. The church can't get sued. We are invited guests. So it's in the constitutional rights of the club to invite anyone onto their campus. I've even said to kids, you can start the Ali Balubi Club. And start preaching. Ali Balubi was uh, an alien and he came from outer space and he started this whole thing. And if you follow Ali Balubi, you're going to go to heaven. And there's nothing they can do. You can start your own religion and, 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 and meet every day. So so, um, so. the public schools is open to us. And as we even start to open more Bible clubs, and, and even now, if, if you are available to, to come with us to the Bible clubs and see what we're doing and, and get involved, we always need support. So if that's you, you can speak to Pastor Drew. Uh, um, he's over the youth and, and, and we're doing Bible clubs. So if you, you need a contact person, him or, or Victoria or, or Whitney, um, that's the Bible clubs. Can everyone say amen? amen? Now number three is colleges and universities. I don't know if any of you are, are presently going to college or university well, we can also start Bible clubs on colleges and universities. Now, even if we don't start a club, we can reach out to colleges and universities. Most colleges and universities have Bible clubs on it. And what we did in South Africa, I went onto a, a university campus called Rand Afrikaans University. Probably, well, yeah, probably the the number one kind of university in Johannesburg. And I got together a few of the the Bible Club organizations on campus. And we hired... Well, we didn't pay, but we got the, the theater. It was probably a 1,000 or 1,200 seater. And I organized an outreach on campus. I got the world boxing champion. Um, at the time, Sugar Boy, Malinga, uh, um, uh, yeah, Sugar Boy Malinga. Okay, none of you know him. <laughs> but, but in his division... Uh, in his division about 10 years ago, he was the world boxing champion. And then I got Andre Foss, who was a Springbok rugby captain. Rugby is huge in, in South Africa. And because of those two people, we drew hundreds of, of students to the outreach. I got up, I shared the gospel, we did an altar call, and, and, and we had success. So the Lord may speak to some of you, either to start a Bible club uh, on one of the local colleges or universities... Or maybe you've got a passion for 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 those that are studying in those tertiary places to actually uh, do some outreaches. So that is number three. Number four, hospitals. Now most of us don't like to go to hospitals. For whatever reason, I don't know why, a lot of people don't like to go to hospitals. But some people love it. And the people that love it are normally the people that the Lord has called to go to hospitals. Uh, What you normally need when you go to hospitals, like what we heard tonight, is faith. Faith that Jesus is the healer. Because we're not just going from patient to patient, sympathizing with them. You want to be able to give them the solution, which is Jesus for salvation. But you also need to believe in in divine healing. So if you feel the Lord is calling you into the hospital outreach ministry, um, I want to encourage you to get involved with that. If the Lord is already using you in gifts of healings, working of miracles, and special faith uh, um, that's spoken about in the Bible, then you are a prime candidate to get involved in that hospital ministry. Because if you pray for people and they get healed, well, the Lord can really use you in that arena. Or maybe you believe the Lord wants to use you in that arena. You're not sure how to go about it. You can still join that outreach ministry. And those that are seasoned in the church that head up, that outreach will teach you about healing, um, about boldness, walking up from person to person. So, 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 hospital ministry is um, is number four. Number five is orphanages and children's homes. Um, one of the reasons I I, I, I fell in love with Lucinda is um, um, every Sunday she used to go to a children's home in Johannesburg. Uh, these were about 12 or 15 girls, probably every one of them was sexually abused, raped, molested. So the the, the government uh, takes them away, the welfare department takes them away and puts them in a home. And these were girls from all kinds of cultures. And Lucinda would go there. She led them all to the Lord. She bought them Bibles. She took them on day artin. She had barbecues where she invited these girls. And and it's really a commitment. For, for children's homes, it's not really just a once-off outreach. Because these kids will get attached to you. And, and obviously a lot of them have abandonment um, challenges. And um, so uh, this one is really, you really have to be called to this. We went to Starbucks after our meeting today. And uh, we were speaking to a gentleman that works for Kaiser. And he said in, uh, he's a counselor uh, for for people that want to kill themselves. Suicidal, that's his, his uh, speciality. And he said he's been doing it 25 years, and it's never been this bad um, in the last 25 years. He said every single day he counsels at least six teenagers that, that are totally depressed and, and seriously want to kill themselves. And he says some of them, he said there was a boy at Yorba Linda High. he straight-A student. Um, he was the captain of the lacrosse team. He... He he on the outside he was like this perfect kid but his dad left when he was very young and and he felt rejected and and obviously that root got into him and and he killed himself so so a lot of the the kids especially in these children's homes really feel like you know society like i'm i'm a i'm a second class citizen even my parents abandoned me and that's where the devil really gets in so so We need to strategize as a team, and when we we fill in all the papers and you tick which outreach you would like to be involved in, this is the one that is is, is like a real commitment. If you can't commit to this one, rather don't do it. But if you can commit to a local children's home somewhere in the area or Orange County, then um, this is great, especially if you're a very loving, compassionate person and, and you love discipling people because these kids are going to have to be very well discipled. And with this one, we always encourage um, let the guys disciple the guys and the ladies disciple the ladies because most of the girls that we've ever experienced in children's homes have been abused and, and they're looking for, for that male love, that fatherly figure. So if a man, one of us, come along, they're going to get attached to us, which we don't kind of want. So rather let the guys counsel the guys. And, and most of these children's homes have a, a, a girl's section and a boy's section. So that's number five. Number six is retirement homes. I love retirement homes. Um, in South Africa, the year is from, from, I'm sure it's the same here in America, from January to December. <laughs> um but uh, during school vacation, which is April, July, and December, we can't go to schools. It's, it, for me personally, I don't get depressed, but I, I, I'm. It's like I want, I want us to be in the schools every day. But during those three weeks in April, three weeks in July, and December, we can't, you know, because the schools are closed. So what we do is each of my teams, instead of each doing a school a day. Each one does a, a, a convalescent home every day. And it's the most fulfilling thing because you've got 30 to 100 people in this convalescent home. And statistically, we've done now, I think, just over 200 convalescent homes in the last like four years. We only started doing it four years ago. I would say 95, 98% of the elderly, when we do the Salvation Appeal, put up their hands. And I always feel what would have happened if we didn't go to that home, they would have passed away, and, and, and they wouldn't have made it. So what we do at the convalescent home, we normally get there two hours before. So it's all arranged with the, the supervisor. They know we come in on, say, a Monday, and it's normally um, uh, late morning. Uh, but what we do is we get there two hours before because a lot of the elderly <laughs> – can forget okay so, so we get that to us before and and some of my tv shows my youth programs we, we've we shown this it's it's very funny like we literally go from door to door and they'll open the door and they're like looking at us and hi my name is Jared and at uh at 12 o'clock we're doing a we're doing a, a gospel thing downstairs and we're going to be singing we always bring them cake so they can like eat a bit of cake and um I just want to share one testimony. We, we, we were in Cape Town and during the school vacation, Lucinda's sister used to work for us and uh, she was phoning all these retirement homes and convalescent homes because uh, we were doing them every day. So she phoned one which is called Sea um, uh, Point Place. It, it was a Jewish retirement home. Oy vey! Say oy vey! <laughs> So the lady said, so our whole pitch is high. We save the World Foundation. We go to the schools. But during school vacation, we actually go to the convalescent homes. And we, we come and we sing and we bring cake and we share the gospel. And Jared shares his testimony and this and that. And she said, oh, but we, 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 we actually uh, a Jewish old age home. And, and she said, no, it, it doesn't matter. doesn't matter. And so we ended up going to this Jewish old age home in Cape Town in Point." which is like a very nice area, kind of like a Beverly Hills kind of area where all the rich Jewish people are living. And I just had all these images of these Jewish people not being happy when I I would start preaching about Jesus. So I met a friend in Cape Town. His name is Tase. He's a professional bodyguard for celebrities. When Nicolas Cage was in Cape Town, he bodyguarded him, and he bodyguards all these people. And we go to the roughest. We've been to the worst, roughest Areas in Cape Town where the, where the Muslim extremists operate. And I've gone to those schools with, next to the mosques. And, and I felt a bit nervous. But w- w- when Lucinda's sister said, I booked you into a Jewish all that home, I was really nervous. So I, I got taste on the phone. I said, taste, you know, I've never needed you for anything. But I need you for this. Because I had all the, you don't know Jewish people like me. Okay, I'm Jewish. So they're your best friends in the world, but don't cross them. Do not cross them, okay? So I had all these images like that one Muslim school of all these Jewish people texting their, their kids to say, you know, I'm I'm trapped in this room and this guy's preaching Jesus to me. So to cut a long story short, we got there early. And I got two girls from Hillsong Cape Town to come and they did the worship. But I said to them, don't sing about Jesus. These are Jewish people. Sing Sing old classics, you know, all these olden songs. So... So I'm busy going from door to door. I walk in, and they didn't listen. They singing about Jesus, you know. So, so, so a lot of these Jewish people weren't uh, impressed with me because they thought they were conned, you know, into coming to this thing. Because as we arrived, the poster said "mystery event," and <laughs> I, ne- I never wrote that. The, the lady that runs the home said "mystery event," and so we're giving them cake and and you know tea and that, and they singing and. So I get up and, and I start sharing my testimony. I crack a few Jewish jokes. They were laughing. And, 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 and you know, I could feel the love in the room. You know, these, these, these Bobas and Zaydas, which is grannies and grandpas in Yiddish, they were loving me and I was cracking the Jewish jokes. And I started speaking about Moses and David and, oh, they were loving it. And I kind of felt what Stephen was going through in the book of Acts when he was preaching. You know, he had to give them a bit of a history lesson until he got to Jesus. And then I'm like, in my mind while I'm preaching, Lord, they're really loving this. And like, I know as soon as I get to Jesus, they're not going to be happy with me. So I I went through about 10 or 15 messianic prophecies. Like uh, um, I went through blood covenant, how, you know, we had to give a, um, a blood sacrifice to forgive us of all our sins. And And that was pointing to the time when Hashem would send the Moshiach and the Moshiach would take our sins away according to Isaiah 53. He'd be led like a. So I was preaching like to Jewish people, so I knew how to minister to them. So I go through all these messianic prophecies and I can see, you know, the the crunch is coming. And then I said, and, and, and ladies and gentlemen, the Messiah has come. His name is Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus. And the one woman said, what does your mother think, you know? <laughs> and she, she left, and, and, and another one, you know, she, what did she say? Um, uh, some derogatory thing, and she left. But you know what, when we did the Salvation Appeal, about three quarters plus minus of the 150 people put up their hands and received Jesus. And at the end, we, we, we did, uh, we prayed for the sick, because there were a lot of sick people, you know, these people are up in age. And about 20 people came forward and we prayed for them. And it was just such a wonderful experience. So, so, so it's so important to reach the elderly. And whenever we go to a convalescent home, we start off thanking them. We want to thank you guys for the sacrifice you've made in society. We all driving in us nice uh, freeways and all these beautiful buildings and the infrastructure in the country. It's because you guys made such amazing sacrifices. Thank you so much. Uh, on behalf of the country, not that I'm the president, but on behalf of the country, we want to thank you. On behalf of all our, our young generation, thank you so much. Some of you were secretaries. Some of you were working at the post office, working for the government. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So at least they feel that we, we appreciate them, and we do. And then we share the gospel, and then we do the salvation appeal. Because they, you know... Th- th- you don't know how much longer they've got, so so you really need to, and we always sing the song knocking on heaven's door no, we don't we don't <laughs> we don't I've been tempted to do that, but we we haven't yet so so just know that retirement homes are very, very fulfilling. Number seven is prisons. now, if you have been previously incarcerated and and the Lord has literally set you free you you will be the most likely candidate who can identify w- with what men and women are going through in life. So the Lord may speak to you to be involved in this outreach or head this outreach up. Um, I've only ever been to, to one juvenile prison in South Africa. It's called Dayambu. Uh, it's got about 300 boys. These boys, some of them are cold-blooded killers. They, 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 they've hijacked people, armed robbery. They've raped. They've, and these are like normal-looking kids, like looking at them in the room. Like any teenagers you would see, I mean, they even look like Jew. <laughs> I mean, they're normal looking teen people, you know. And uh, I remember my first time in, I wasn't even there in a minute. And the one boy, like 15, I mean, he's half my size. Hey, have you got some money for me? Sorry, man. Hey, if you don't give me, I'm going to knife you. And these, these, are, these are hardcore kids, you know. So what we did, we set up our stage in the yard. And I had my musician sing who... Who, who's an African guy, and I mean, he's a brilliant singer. Um, he was a brilliant singer. And um, so he was singing, and they just weren't going for it. And I was so frustrated, because you can't force him to come, But and the yard is like a huge place, and we were trying to attract these 300 boys to come. And the Lord worked supernaturally, I mean, his perfect timing. One of the ministers of the government just so happened on that very day was visiting that prison. But she didn't come alone. She came with like a really famous rap singer, not a Christian guy, like a rap singer. And they weren't organized with sound systems and stages. I don't know how they thought the rap was going to rap. So we said, hey, hey, we've got the stage. We've got the sound system. Why don't you let Uh, The minister to speak for a few minutes on our stage and let the rapper rap Well, guess what happened when the rapper the famous guy started rapping all, all, I would say like 280 of the 300 kids came and they were all sitting uh, They were all standing around the stage and then they were sitting down Then the rapper left and I ran up and I said wasn't that amazing? Let's give whoever like a great hand and I said you know what with all due respect to him and every famous person they could care less if you live or die. As long as you buy their album and make them rich and famous, then they'll love you. But I, I want to share, and then I shared the gospel, and most of those boys got saved. And there's about five churches working in that in, in, in that prison uh, that have struggled for years to lead souls to the Lord, but the Lord used us as a ministry to lead them to the Lord. And the wonderful working together with those five churches was that they could then disciple the boys. So just know that prison ministry is um, is exciting, it's fulfilling, but you have to be called to it, okay? So that's number seven. Number eight is houses, uh, apartments, townhouses. Um, so we want to take this church. Then if we can somehow get, uh, I mean, off Google Maps or somehow, we kind of want to have... Uh, have a map, like here's the church and here all the streets and kind of map it out. And those of us that really feel called to go door to door, like you would have door to door Bible salesman or door to door vacuum machine salesman, we want to have a team and teams that literally knock on every door in this greater area and, and try and share the gospel with that person. And if that person doesn't want to listen, at least we can give them a, a fly or a brochure about the church. And whatever's our next big up-and-coming event, we can use that opportunity as an opportunity to invite them to an event. So we're not trying to take away the job of the, the guys that we use from L.A. to drop off the 7,000 flyers, but we want to have a team that go door-to-door evangelizing. And, and this also takes tremendous boldness, I must say. The next one, number nine, is shopping centers or malls. The, the woman loved this outreach. <laughs> um. <laughs> it's like it's like I heard one preacher say, You know my my, my, my credit card was stolen, um, but i haven 't reported it because the thieves are spending less than my wife <laughs> i 'm not going to be popular with the woman for that one but but the more ministry I, I remember when I first got saved uh, uh, Santon city we we 're going to be staying at the hotel uh, on the trip next to Santon City." Every Friday night, I used to go with two soul winners, and we just used to walk around the mall and do one-on-one evangelism. So, um, so that's a that's a great ministry. Uh, number ten is public parks. This is where I really cut my teeth as an evangelist. I want You've heard me share the testimony, but every Saturday we went to Jubair Park. We set up our equipment. We we did um, three salvation appeals. Uh, we prayed for the sick. We did that from ten in the morning till five in the afternoon. So if there are any local parks around here that you feel called to, where a lot of people congregate. Um, I used to go to Jabir Park. I loved it because it was in the middle of this concrete jungle, so to speak, downtown Johannesburg. And it had a taxi rank over here and it had different shops. So there was a lot of passing trade. So we used music to attract the attention of people. Then we got them to sit down and then we shared the gospel with them then we did a salvation appeal they filled in their contact information uh we kept it we we handed it in for those people to get followed up and um so that's a great form of outreach uh that we can do as well some of the local parks number 11 is uh, sex trade workers prostitutes um that's a great um outreach you really have to be called to this <laughs> i've never been called to that but um I've got this, like, radical evangelism friend. Um, He now lives in Australia, but he's a South African. He used to be called the Terror of the South. He was, like, the most hectic fighter, brawler. He killed people. I mean, he has a, a hectic testimony. If you met him now, he's the sweetest, most loving person you'll ever encounter. But back then, they told me, Jared, this guy was, like, insane. But um, he had it on his heart to reach out to the prostitutes in Johannesburg uh, downtown. So what what we did was um, we got about 500 red roses. And we went out like two, two by two or two by three. And we walked the streets of Johannesburg, which I wouldn't recommend doing. But because I was, was Jacques, the terror of the South, I felt safe. But we would walk up to, to, to ladies of the night and share the gospel with them and tell them how much Jesus loves them. And we did it on Valentine's Day. And we said, Jesus loves you. He has a rose from Jesus. And if you need anyone to speak to, we had the church information and one of the female pastors in the church that they could call. So those are the kind of outreaches you can do to ladies that have been in that situation. Number 12 is homeless people and street children. Um, L.A. especially is one of... The you know, there's tens and thousands of homeless people there. For the last few years, I've been working with the Fred Jordan mission. Uh, They've been there about 90 years. Fred Jordan started it. Willie, who's now 80, she runs it and with her whole family. And every day they feed in the poor. They've got church groups that go down there and do one-on-one evangelism. What's great about their ministry, they've just, um, they've got a four-story building and they've just kitted out two floors that look beautiful. I mean, it's like a, almost like a hotel. So groups that want to go down there, we can go down there like a weekend. So that's something we can look to in, in the future. But on Thanksgiving and Christmas and um, Easter, and I think one other day, they seal off the streets and they feed like 1,500 to 2,000 people. And, and they've got like tables and chairs and, and they have a big stage and uh, everyone gets fed and then we preach the gospel to them. And most of them end up getting saved. Um, so that's a great outreach if you really feel that that call to to the homeless and, and street children. Number thirteen, please tell me when I got five five minutes left. Twenty four minutes left. Twenty four. Yeah. What what no, he's gone until, until eight thirty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what?
0: Well,
1: yeah. the end of the day. Let me go uh, let me finish off with this. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so this is, a lot, this is my last one for the night. The, uh, the business community. So, uh, so a lot of you, it's like, Jared, I don't want to go to the hospitals. I don't want to go to the streets. I, I, I'm not called to that. I'm a businessman. I love business. Well, you can be part of the business person's outreach. So how would that work? Well, you relate to business people. You talk the language of business. Like Moses was um, a son of in the courts of Pharaoh. He knew how to converse with politicians and leaders. He spoke their language. That's why the Lord used him to go back to Pharaoh to speak on behalf of the Jews. Well, business people have a different language. And the business people need to know Jesus. So we're looking at starting a business person's outreach to the business community. So how that would work um, typically is, yes, one-on-one evangelism. So like witness to the people you work with and witness to your contemporaries and people that you do business with B- but what will also work well with this is events so like a golf day or, or, or a business dinner at a country club where we get like a, a funny comedian like have you heard? like is that funny guy lazarus nazareth he lives in newport beach so, I mean, he's local or, or, or we've got a top businessman that's a multi-millionaire or billionaire who started from, from nowhere, who, who business people would know. So when you invite in your business associates, hey, we've got Donald Trump or Richard Branson or, or, or Drew or someone famous, <laughs> you, you know, <laughs> they'd want to come, you know, to, to some kind of an event. So, so remember, these outreach are, are very focus driven to, to that demographic. Because remember, business people may not want to come to church. They don't want to come to Skid Row. They don't want to be in those environments. But they'll come to a dinner. They'll come to a country club. They'll come to a golf day. Their wives can have a spa day. They can have a golf day. Or if they don't like golf, we, we do something else. So we need those of you that are business people, business leaders, to be thinking, I want to be involved in the business outreach. Amen. Well, I'm going to stop there, and Pastor Full is going to take over. Amen
0: that's okay nobody gave you the script that's all right um and and here's what we want you to do tonight you should have received uh one of these right okay what we want you to do is circle two or three at the most you can't do 24 things all right, you may have a burden for 24 things, but the idea is if if all of you can you say, "You know what? I would like to look into this. You're not committing your life for this, but you're saying, you know, these are some areas where I see I could really get involved." Every one of those, and there may be something that's you, you know, you have on your heart but it's not on there. Just write that in, okay? And then put your name in there and turn that in. Okay, if you're not ready to do it tonight, uh, you can do it next week. And uh, Jared will go over some of the the rest of these next week. But what we want to do is find out, Okay, how many do we have in this one area? And then who appears to be the most natural God called leader for that group? Because you've got to have some direction that's going to take it somewhere. All right. So if you can do that, fill that out. Make sure you put your name on there. Remember, emails need to be really carefully written. Because it's just one little thing off, and we can't get you on that. So make sure you do that. Uh, put your your number, your phone number on there, uh, preferably your cell phone. I don't know if anybody still has home phones or not. Um, but if you do, don't put it down because we don't want it. Um, <laughs> all right? <laughs> well, we really can't track you very well. We can track you with cell phones. We've got technology now. We know where you're going. It is awesome. You know, when you're on Sunday morning, we, we pull it up, and they're not in church, and we find out you're at the beach. and. All that kind of stuff. Uh, second thing I, I want to say to you, too, is, um, uh, well, let me do this. Take your Bibles, and let's just go to Acts chapter 8 real quick. And I want to show you something. Um, in Acts chapter 8, there's uh, there's a guy named Philip, one of my favorites in Scripture. But in Acts eight twenty six, I want you to see what happens here. It says, It says here in verse 26, Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip. Now we could spend the entire rest of the night and into the morning just with that phrase. An angel of the Lord spoke to Philip. You see, God is always moving to get your attention. Sometimes you don't hear it real well. You know, you're busy going through life, but an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip. You have to develop listening ears, and you have to slow down long enough to see who's around you so that you can speak to them. So an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road, which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So this angel was pretty clear. And you would expect that kind of clarity coming from an angel or from God. Hey, go speak to that person. Well, why would I? You know, we can, we can try to talk ourselves out of stuff sometimes, right? And when you feel that little, sometimes it's just something like a little gentle. I just kind of feel like I need to talk to them. Do it. Don't, don't draw back. Just be obedient to, to the leading of God. And guess what? As you start, you know, it says my, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. You see, the more you're obedient, the more his voice gets louder in your head, gets bigger in your heart, because you're just listening, and you're developing that sensitivity, you know? I had a friend that was kind of an expert in in bird whistles, all right? Not a, an official, you know, but he, he knew bird whistles, and he said, you hear that? I go, no, Well, listen, I don't hear anything he go, well, that's a, and he'd call that that's a lark bunting, or that's some kind of bird. i go, really? Okay. What had happened is he had developed a sensitivity to hear something that I didn't even know existed. You can develop a sensitivity to hear the Spirit of God, and everybody else goes, I don't know what you're talking about. But you have to listen, you see? So it says here, gave him specific direction. So what did he do? He, he arose and went. What's that? Starts with an O, ends with an E. What is it? It's not Obama. What is it? obedience, obedience. So he was obedient, right? He heard it and he said, I'm going to do that. So he arose and he went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Cadiz, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury, and he had gone to Jerusalem to worship. He was returning, sitting in his chariot, and he was reading Isaiah the prophet. See, God was already preparing this guy. He's reading, but he's reading Isaiah the prophet, and look what it says here. I, love, I just love this story. He says, then the spirit said to Philip. Now, the angel first got him going. The spirit said to Philip, go near, overtake the chariot. So Philip ran. Now, he had to go out of his way. He's running after the chariot. Can you imagine? This guy's running down the road, and he's got, what's going on back here? And he sees Philip running, and it says, catch up with him. He caught up with him. He heard him reading from the prophet Isaiah, and he said, do you understand what you're reading? You understand what's really going on here, and he said, "How can I understand unless someone guides me?" That's what people are doing right now. They're they're curious about God. You know, I went through through uh, church. I was in high school, and they sang about the cross, and I didn't know why Jesus died on the cross. It was not like this Bible preaching church. It was, you know, uh, a little bit on the liberal side, but they were singing the songs. And I thought everybody knew about why he died on a cross but me, and I didn't want to be able to seem stupid, so I never asked anybody. Because nobody opened their mouth. Nobody taught me. Nobody took any initiative. You kind of walk through life and assume that everybody kind of has got it all figured out. And it says, the place he was reading, he was led as a sheep to the slaughter, as a lamb before its shear. He opened not his mouth. In humiliation, his justice was taken away. Who will declare... Uh, his generation, his life is taken from the earth. The eunuch answered Philip and he said, I ask of whom, the prophet of himself or some other man? He doesn't know. He's curious. And Philip opened his mouth and began at the scripture and he preached unto him. What does it say? He preached Jesus. He preached Jesus. Jesus loves it when we talk about Jesus. Jesus. And you know what? It's the only name whereby men must be saved, the name Jesus. You can talk about church. You can talk about God all you want. But talk about Jesus. Jesus. I just want to encourage you to talk about Jesus. You know, don't be afraid. Just talk about Jesus. Well, what if they ask me something I don't know? Then tell them you don't know. How's that for brilliance? I don't know. That's a great question. Let me have your number and I'm going to call you with the answer. It's an open door. It's the easiest open door to get their contact information. I don't know. That's a great question. Wow. You know, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to ask my pastor. I'm going to ask some friends. I'm going to get that answer because I want you to know. Sometimes people are going to ask you questions only to get you off the subject. Well, what about the Aborigines? Why are they going to hell? Do they go to hell if they never hear the gospel? You know, and they've got a million and one. You know, have you ever encountered that? Here's what I normally say. I say, if I answer that question to your satisfaction, will you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ? If I answer that question to your satisfaction, will you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ? I've asked that to dozens of people, and nobody's ever said yes. That was smoke and mirrors. They were only trying to get me off the subject of their eternal soul. I've sat down with people, said, I want to believe, I can't believe. And I said, I did what Jared did stand up, sit back down. You made a decision. That's all it was. You have to make a decision. If you'll move in the direction of God, God will take the rest of the steps. Just take some steps. Amen? Okay, we've got about um, uh, 10 minutes left here. I'm freezing. Is it cold in here now? (laughs) Dang, I'm like dying up here. (laughs) Help me, brother. Help me out over there. Okay. Um, what we want to do is we want to take a minute here and talk about, I'm going to have uh, Nathan come up here and I have Jared come up here because uh, they may have answers here that we need. Uh, I know Nathan will have some directions about how to register. Um, I was out there in the, uh, the hallway, and uh, Brian and Crystal were telling me we're the first ones to register for the, for the trip to South Africa. So yay, raise your hand. Amen. All right. So uh, here's, here's what we want to do. Uh, does everyone have the sheet that says South Africa at the top? Does anyone? Who needs a sheet and would like one? Okay. All right. Okay. We, everybody got them? Okay. How many of you think right now there is a possibility you might want to go on this trip? Would you just raise your hand? Not guarantee, but just possibility. Okay. All right. Great. So we're probably going to see 30 or 40 people go is my guess. Okay, is that cool? Yeah. Oh, okay, all right. So why don't you uh, tell them kind of what the week looks like? Yeah. Okay, can you do that?
1: Yeah. Um, so, so what's really exciting is Monday to Friday, uh, you guys are going to be in the schools with us. So the school outreach is start at seven in the morning, finish at about one o'clock in the afternoon. And what's so great about the school outreach is uh, we get to preach to the whole assembly, and then we go into all the classrooms. Uh, there's normally about 30 or 40 classrooms in a school with 30 to 50 kids per school. And we're going to use you guys to be sharing with them. We've got four basic steps uh, of spiritual growth. Read your Bible, go to church, pray, tell others about Jesus. So you'll have time to practice that pitch. So when you go into the classroom uh, uh, two by two, you guys can share each point together. Um, Then those of you that love counseling one-on-one, from 8 in the morning till about 1 in the afternoon, we counsel up to three, sometimes even 400 students in the school. So what the principal allows is kids to come for counseling throughout the day. So the teachers allow kids to come. Uh, we'll, we'll be in like a room maybe this size or half the size with literally 50 or 100 kids lined up. Uh, you guys sit in uh, all spread out with three or four chairs around you. And as kids come... We just send kids for counseling. So those of you that love counseling, uh, sharing verses, preaching in, in in a classroom to 30 to 50 kids, you can do that or maybe you want to spend half the day doing counseling, half the day going into classrooms. You're going to get that opportunity. Uh, we've got four outreach teams. So uh, there's enough ministry opportunity for everyone. Depending on how many people come will depend on how much of the team will we, we'll come with each team. So let's just say there were 20, then we can say, okay, 10 go with team one, 10 go with team two. If they are more than 20, we can kind of split you up. And those of you that are comfortable enough and, and those of you that we know that are actually ready to preach to the whole school, 600 to 800 to 1,500 kids, you'll also have that opportunity. So so there's the, we do 20 school outreaches a week. Four schools a day, because we've got four teams times five, is 20. So the 20 school outreaches, you guys are going to be preaching literally from 8 in the morning till 1. So that's 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 1. So if you're looking for opportunity to pray for people, to preach to people, to counsel people, you guys are going to get it. After that, we're going to go for lunch. It will kind of be like a a lighter kind of a lunch. And then every afternoon, you're going to have a different experience of Africa. So so uh, the day trips include uh, going to the uh, um, where Nelson Mandela used to live in Soweto. Uh they've got his house it's kind of like a national monument. Uh there's a Apartheid museum uh there in Soweto that shows you know the struggle of apartheid and and everything like that. Uh one day um we're going to go to the lion park uh which will be like a 2-3 hour experience where we drive around and the the lions running around and then you actually get to Touch the lions, and hopefully they don't wall you. No, they won't. <laughs> don't put your head in it. Some people put their heads in their mouth, but just make sure they've eaten lunch first. But so you'll get to you'll get to hang out with the lions and stroke the lions, and that's an amazing experience if you have never hung out with lions before. Um, uh, then the one day um, we're planning on uh, going to the cradle of mankind. Uh it's called co- uh, they've got a game a game park, but we're not gonna go to the game park. We uh, they've got like what's called the Stack from Teen Caves, um, which is a beautiful experience. And then um on the Saturday, we're planning on going to Sun City. Those of you that love golf, have you ever seen the million dollar golf challenge on TV? Um that's at Sun City, it's the number one resort in, in South Africa, probably Africa. Sol Kersner, good Jewish boy. He, he, he developed it about 30 years ago. Uh, he's the one that built Atlantis in the Bahamas, and he's got the most glamorous hotels around the world. So he built Sun City. Um, so what we're going to do, we're going to leave Johannesburg to go to Sun City on the Saturday. So, so the Saturday is kind of, and the sun is like your fun day. So we'll leave early in the morning, drive to Sun City. Right next to Sun City is the most incredible uh, game reserve. Uh, where you guys will have a a two-and-a-half-hour game drive in one of those big open Jeep-type things with a professional, uh, yeah, like a proper safari, like what you saw in (laughs) Reinhardt's movie, lions, giraffes, all those animals. So you'll see the big five in the park. Uh, So that's two-and-a-half hours, and then we go to Sun City, and we'll spend the night at Sun City. Um there's four different re- uh, hotels. We, we're looking at going to the cabanas. Um, but uh, they've got like a valley of waves there. It's just the most incredible, massive resort with dams. And um, those of you that want to do golf maybe for the day can do that. So we're going to spend the day at Sun City. It's only two hours from Johannesburg. And then on the Sunday, around right about three o'clock, leave Sun City to take you back to the airport to fly back to the States. And then every night um, we go into a different kind of uh, African experience restaurant. So one is called the Butcher Shop. The other one's, um, oh yeah, <laughs> which is like the top like steakhouse restaurant. The other one is called Moyo, which is like the most famous African-themed restaurant. Uh, there's a great restaurant at the Cradle of Mankind, which overlooks this whole safari place at Sun City. So so every night dinner, is like a great dinner experience. Uh, uh, which is kind of like a taste of, of africa so so lit- literally from seven in the morning till five you're going to be on the move then from five to seven five, by five o'clock we'll get you back to the hotel so you can freshen up for about two hours and then we'll take you to dinner which is anything from a, a 10 minute to a 20 minute drive away have a great dinner experience and then um to, just so you know like ethically we're not making a cent off this we, we we've gone on every website. We've phoned. I've got a friend that's organized tours. Like, w- yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm the only non kind of a Jewish guy. But so so, so just know whatever the, the price is, we're not making like a commission or a cent. We've got no deals with anyone. I, I, I've like used my hotel contacts to get the cheapest. Like the hotel rooms are like a hundred dollars a night. So it's fifty dollars each if you share. If you want your own room, it's an extra four hundred dollars so um so try to pay up and um and uh um yeah that's kind of everything
0: yeah. okay cool sounds like a pretty good week huh huh now how many of you want to go raise your hand now yeah, only f- two hands went up um <laughs> yeah great job great pitch uh, okay, there's a there's a couple of there's some information here on the sheet. Uh, Nathan's going to tell you how to register for this in just a minute. Uh, most of the answers are on here. For example, um, uh, Drew just asked, "What if uh, d- if some people want to stay longer? You can do that. Um, uh, but if you want to extend it and just kind of hang out there, you can do that. If you want to stay and work with Jared that week, you can do that. Um, so that's just going to be an extra cost. Okay. So the cost that you have here is the cost of the trip. All the meals? Yeah, all the meals, excluding drinks at each meal. So okay, you get water with each meal. <laughs> and if to you to want eat. anything besides water, then you have to pay for your drink, right? So like sodas or anything else okay. uh, at each uh, meal. So breakfast, lunch, and dinner is included, okay. um, excluding sodas at, at each meal. Right, okay, so, and and then the safaris uh, included in that and everything, and the transportation, all that. Um, So let me also say something about the the airlines because I know you have questions on this. Um, What we want to do is we would really like everybody to get there the same time or right about the same time. So if you've got some creative idea of getting your airline and then you end up like five hours later, then you drive from the airport, you know, through Africa on your own. (laughs) What we're trying to say is. We don't want to make multiple trips in the to the airport. That's what we're trying to do, especially the one when we're going back. If we're going from Sun City. It's a couple hours. So we really need to consolidate that. So um, we've got a little bit of work on, done on that. We plan on arriving in, um, uh, into Johannesburg uh, about before noon, about 11 o'clock on Sunday morning. Okay, so that's kind of the plan. Um, any other questions about anything that you have on here that we see on that you – Okay. All right, which is not which is sounds like it's a great place to live. So, yeah, Ted. What what we what we'd like to have um is $500 um deposit which would be once we get that we're going to buy tickets. So that means it's non-refundable deposit, okay? Cuz we're stuck with it or you're stuck with the ticket. And then what we'd like to have is that other, the rest of that, the, we, we estimate the airline ticket's going to be about 1000 We found them anywhere from as low as 918 to, you know, up over, well, they can go anywhere you want. But typically they're about $1,000 right now. Um, every time every one of you searches, just so you know how Google Analytics works, every time you search for a ticket, it drives the price up. So I'm going to ask you to not go home and just start slamming on your computers. Trust me, this is how it works. Okay, um, so if you could, if you could just kind of trust us and say, and you say, I'm not even going, but I'm just curious. Yeah, you just cost us twenty bucks. Um, so, okay, so what you what you want to do is we'll we can get all the tickets if you if you'll call us or email uh, email myself Nathan, Carol, Tammy, somebody, just do Nathan. Um, <laughs> what am I saying? Email Nathan and say. Hey, I, I'd like to – I have frequent flyer miles. I have points with my um, American Express, and I'd like to do that. I've gone on American Express. All the airlines we've referred to here are good. Um, we're looking at Air France right now. is probably the best price for the, the ticket. Um, but also uh, another good one flying in there is Delta. You can fly to Orange County on Delta and go right into Johannesburg. You can fly on Virgin Atlantic. We're probably going to try to get everybody on one – airline if we can that way we're traveling together you feel a bit more comfortable you get there and we leave at the same time all that kind of fun stuff okay so let me hand this to nathan real quick because uh, we are uh,
2: out of time and tell us tell them if they want to register tonight what they need to do yeah. if you want to register tonight you just have to go out to the computer there's a little tag on the desk basically that says south africa so go to that computer and you can register right then and there um this is the first international mission trip, though, that we are taking as Influence Church. I mean, this is huge. And that's why these two over here were stoked, because they were the first ones to sign up for the first ever International Influence Church mission trip. So, like, that's just super rad. But you guys want to be a part of this as well. Plus, there's uh, time travel involved. We leave on Sunday, get back on Sunday, and yet we're traveling for, like, 30-something hours. So, um, you can see, like, two sunsets, I think, and travel through time. Um, Leslie. We will be, yes, we'll, we'll we will get to that. Um, oh, and then one other thing. Let me just say this. Uh, the other thing, some of you may not be
0: able to go, but you want to help somebody go, okay? What I'm going to ask you to do is if you will let us know that, because rather than just immediately just start throwing money in every direction, we want to coordinate this effort. So it's not like we got 40 lone wolves out there, you know, ravaging everybody for for. Uh, South Africa. So what we want to do is, if you want to help somebody in scholarships, say, hey, I'd like to help out, and then we'll coordinate an effort to where we say, hey, here's a whole group. Here's what we've got going. That excludes your personal friends. But, you know, we, don't really, we really just want to help our people kind of feel like that they're not fair game for everybody in, in this room. Okay? Is that fair enough? Okay? But we, will, we want to do everything we can to make sure everybody goes who really wants to go. Okay? And if we get a big check in here and it helps everybody cut their cost a $100, we're going to pass that on, okay? Right after Tammy and I take a trip to Europe. and uh, No, just kidding. Okay.
2: Yeah, if you guys do have any questions, though, feel free to email me. Uh, I'd love to get back to you on those as soon as I can. Um, but prayerfully consider, if this is what the Lord has for you, and perhaps you heard it and immediately you were like, yes and amen, this is exactly for me. Then cool, be obedient to that. And we trust and um, we're going to trust with you guys that God is going to bring you the resources to make that happen. Um, but if it's one of those things that you're like, God, like, this sounds good, but I don't want to do this for me. I want to do this for you. Just bring that and present it to the Lord and say, God, I really want my intentions to be pure here. And um, the thing with that, too, is that uh, we're going to evangelize. We're going to do the kingdom work. And so good things are going to come of it. Um, and he's going to also be working in your heart through that process. And so um, if you can go, I strongly encourage you to do so. But let's pray, and we'll dismiss you guys. I, just to just say
1: one thing quickly. Um, I had a friend that wanted to come two years ago uh, and spend three months with our ministry. And he had to raise like $3,000 because it was like he was paying all his own expenses. That included his plane trip, being with us three months, and he was stressed out of his mind. He wanted to come to our our school, and um, up until a month before, he was like, oh, I don't think I'm going to raise it. And just to cut a long story short, maybe we can talk about it next week, is I, I, I told him to write a fundraising letter and to share what he's going to be doing, how he's going to be growing, and I said, approach like 20, 30 of your friends. Now, I would encourage you to do the same, but what I'm going to encourage you to do is is not to write those letters to people at Influence, because people at Influence are going to get 30 letters each, like uh, South Africa to South Africa to So Christians you know at other churches, family members that go to other churches, maybe your boss, maybe you've got a rich relative, share with them what you're doing. You've got to tap your rich relatives, I mean, <laughs> like, you know. So so share with them what you're going to be doing, how you're going to be growing. And, and one of the things we can maybe do is... Um, uh, print out an itinerary of all the spiritual things you're going to be doing, so they know you're not just going on a on a on a holiday vacation. You're actually going to be doing something. So I wrote a letter saying how Nate's going to be growing and this and that. He raised eight thousand dollars, eight thousand. So so he was scared a month before he's not going to raise anything. He sent those letters out to all his friends, and eight thousand came in. So it's like what Reald said, this is a wonderful opportunity for you to use your own faith, but don't use it in in the in in, in, in you know because don't use it in 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 your home church you know <laughs> write those letters and 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 send it to people outside the church and 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 so so if money wasn't a hindrance, would you come on the trip? I think everyone would say yes, so then money is the thing that's stopping you from coming, but money's not the thing that that the Lord can provide the finances. So so I would really encourage you, write that, that fundraising letter. Maybe show it to, to one of us to, to see that it it actually looks good. And then make copies and, and send it to your relatives. Email your relatives, even if they're around the country. And, and you'll be amazed that, that the money will come in. Amen.
2: Awesome. Sorry for keeping you guys late. Let's pray, and then you'll be out. Thank you so much, Jesus for teaching us tonight. Thank you so much for encouraging us tonight and for um, reminding us of your great love. Thank you for reminding us of our own stories and for empowering us and equipping us to share them with other people. You have redeemed us. You've made us anew, And that is good news. And so God, fill us with boldness this week as we go to also share that story with others. That they would have a testimony of your love and power in their life. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys.